Hey family, it's Dr. Marissa Johnson and happy Wine Therapy Wednesday. This episode is titled, Where is My Hope? This episode ties in with suicide prevention. And as some of you may remember, I am a suicide survivor. My brother, Billy Johnson, completed suicide in 2015. And from that moment on, I decided I would turn my pain into purpose. And now I specialize in suicide prevention and depression with a doctoral degree in professional counseling. Suicide is the 12th leading cause of death in the U.S. And last year, in the year 2020, 3.88% of the men completed suicide more than the women. Suicide is something that we don't talk about much. It's very uncomfortable, but we want to normalize talking about mental health issues. So today, my guest is here with a male perspective of having suicidal ideation. I'm excited to share his challenges that he faced, how he overcame suicidal ideation, and where did his hope come from. Before we get started, you know we have to introduce the wine of the day. And the wine of the day is from Godella Winery here in Spring, Texas. And the name of this wine is Seraphine, and it is a red wine. So I'm excited to share that. My guest will have his own cup, <laughs> but I'm excited to share this uh, moment with him as we talk about something dear to my heart, something that I have experienced personally, and I hope it helps all of you. Let's talk about it. All right, Mr. Kevin, so before we get started, we have to do my new tradition is putting our corkscrew into my corkscrew uh, case, and we are doing it. Thank you for being a part of the show, Mr. Kevin Sims, and thank you for being with me to talk about literally suicidal ideation and depression with men. Uh, when I met you in Nebraska, it's like we clicked instantly and we talked about literally that. And I think I just poured out to you about my brother. So kind of give us a rundown of like what triggered your suicide ideation. Okay. So, um, and for, listen, I'm glad to be back at it with you again, Queen. Yes, I got to say yes. that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. We back again. We back again. Um, for me, a lot of it started like a lot of people's suicidal ideation, yeah. and that was in my childhood. I, I want to say that, you know, within my childhood, that was where the seeds, I think, for the ideation was mm -hmm. planted. Um, you know, growing up, you know, I was raised in a single parent household. It was, you know, me and my sister, and me and my sister are six years apart, okay. and, you know, we had two separate fathers, and so growing up, I always... Truth be told, to be honest with you, Dr. Johnson, I felt like I was just a mistake. I felt like mm -hmm. God kind of made a mistake when mm -hmm. he placed Kevin on this earth. So that was the first thing that, that brought you some kind of, um, I would just say, sadness. Like, okay, I'm a mistake. I'm supposed to be here. That's the first thing. Yes. And, you know, and the reason being is just because, you know, my sister, she had... So I always felt like growing up, I felt like my sister was the standard. I felt like okay. she was what I had to kind of like meet up to. And so, you know, with having her dad around, I didn't really get to know my dad until I want to say nine, ten. So going through all of that, and then even after I did meet him, he still wasn't a present and active father. Okay. Um, and so that was really tough for me. Also, on top of that, you know, I was bullied growing up. You know, um, you know, I, I I didn't act like the rest of the the boys. I guess you could say. You know, I was raised around women. You know, I was yeah. raised by my mom, my aunt, my grandmother, and my sister. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, you know, as a young man growing up, you're going to catch on to those mannerisms. So, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I remember growing up, you know, I would always get called a Tom girl. And I just recently shared this mm -hmm. with my best friend and another friend of mine. And so I would, you know, get called a Tom girl. And for me, Dr. Johnson, like, 
regardless of what I acted like, I still love to be outside and play. Yeah. Like, I love to, you know, stay outside, get dirty, play tag, yeah, curveball, yeah. all of the stuff that kids do. And so for me, I never, you know, I never really caught on to it. And so for me, I was just laughing with, you know, everyone else. Mm-hmm. And so I remember one day so vividly, a, uh, a kid was like, you know, oh, and this was as I got a little older. And so somebody was like, you know, you know that they're not like really laughing with you. They're more so laughing. Okay. And so, you know, that was kind of heavy just because I was like, you know, and for me, I, you know, I, I'm such a, a, a open, free spirit individual. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I love, you know, I, I'm a lover of people. And and it just it was difficult to digest that y'all could be laughing at me like I'm one of the nicest people ever. Right. Now, truth be told, don't try none of that business. Don't try today. it now, though. Okay. Don't. Girl, girl, girl. Do not try Kevin, it. Okay. No, Kevin of childhood and Kevin of adult years are two, two different, different things. People. Okay. Two, two different, different people. people. Okay. Um. So don't get it confused. But yeah, and so that was just really tough. And so going through that, like that was something that just really carried with me because it was hard for me to find my fit you know it was hard for me because I didn't play sports I wasn't you know really active in those regards and then on top of that like I said just trying to meet up to the standards of my sister going into my teen years were was um the years that I actually acted on these ideations Mm -hmm. um and so with that you know my ninth grade year my freshman year my grandmother passed away um I think you know my first or second month into my ninth grade year uh, very soon after that, my mother came and told us that she had had breast cancer. Oh, wow. And so that, you know, she had never went back to work a day after that. Yeah. And in those years, in my teen years, was when I started experimenting with my sexuality. Mm. And I come from the era, and, and I know I sound kind of old saying that, the era. but I yeah. come from the era uh-huh. of the uh, gay community that it was just LGBT. Yeah. There was no QIA+. plus. Mm-hmm. So... You know, I didn't come from the era where they had like the little Nas X's and, you know, they just yeah, had yeah, the yeah, symbols yeah. in society. You know, yeah. I think one of my biggest, uh, you know, idols growing up and he was still a heterosexual man was Prince. You know, mm-hmm. but I just love the fact that he was just very flamboyant. You know, he was just very, very open, yeah. dressed. He was himself. Um, he didn't care. Like, I'm exactly. me. Oh, yeah. Exactly. And that was really tough. And so to not really have anything to connect to was ultimately led me, Dr. Johnson, to, to feeling like, you know, I, I needed to to remove myself from the situation, you know. Yeah. Majority of the time, like I said, from my childhood to my teen years, and even in my early 20s, I just felt like a burden. You yeah, know, yeah. I felt like more of a burden. And I'm like, like a lot of people who have these ideations, you know, I, I think life would be a little bit better if I wasn't here. Yes. And so... Yes. Um, so, yeah, so like I said, I acted on those. To God be the glory that none of them succeeded. You know, there were only two. But to God be the glory that they didn't succeed. But I just remember the mental baggage. Because, again, you know, the woman who I saw as the world's strongest person yeah. is now, for lack of a better term, clinging on to her life. You know, mm-hmm. clinging on to her life. When she, when they had found the lump in her breast, I mean, like I said, she never went to work after that. She had had surgery after surgery after surgery. The wound had caught infection. Like I say, it, it, it just was a ripple effect. It was and a so, lot. It was a lot going yeah. on. And I guess my question is, when you say two, when, when you say there was only two, like two suicidal ideations, like the thoughts, like only two instances of that, or what was the two that you experienced when it pertains to suicide? When I actually acted on it. Wow. 
yeah, I acted on it twice in my teen years. Wow. And um, and I remember, you know, I, I would even speak on one. I had taken a bottle of pills, and I think they were just like some cheap generic, you know, yeah. around the family, you always got some Tylenol hanging around. And I'm not trying to make light or joke of it. Yeah, but, yeah, no, no. You know, it was just, uh, yeah, I had took it. And I just remember sitting there, and I said, you know, God, I'm just ready for it. You know, yeah. I'm just ready for you. And again, God wasn't ready for me because obviously, you said, you know, obviously, yeah, yeah. I'm still here to talk yeah. about it. So I remember that I got extremely, extremely sick. I was throwing up like crazy. And I was like, okay, you know, maybe that is a sign. You know, that's yeah. a sign. Because, you know, like I said, growing up, I was raised in the church. You know, mm-hmm. my grandmother and my aunt kept me in the church. Yeah. Um, but we also know how, going back to, you know, the sexuality topic, we know how the black community views it. Yes. You know, we know how the church views it. And, you know, I, it, we, we know that that's just not talked about at all. It's not. And, and like, I love the fact that you said that you felt like, if I'm gone, it'd be better if I'm gone. Like, I don't need to be here. And a lot of people, men who feel that way, you know, it's a lot of pressure on them because they, one, a lot of men don't even talk about it. So my question is, who did you even talk to about these feelings? Like, who did you open up to about feeling, obviously you felt left out, especially due to the LGBT thing. Like, you felt kind of, I guess, like, not connected, and it's already shunned on by the church and, you know, the black community. And then it's like, so who did you go to? Who was your person, your support person? Or did you? you know, I have to say, and, and, and I've said this a few times before, even though um, they didn't really know what to say in those moments, you know, my circle of friends really, like, held me together. <laughs> you know, a lot of them I'm still cool with. You know, they loved me through each and every phase that I went through. You know, when I went through kind of like the the, the 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 punk rock phase where I had like yeah. the chains on the belt yeah. and the leather gloves and stuff. You know, they just loved me through whatever. And so yeah. I, I promise you that truly held me together just because it for me. And again, like I say, my family already dealing with a lot. Yeah. And in the black family, homosexuality is not a topic. It's not. Especially then. It's just not. Especially then. Like it wasn't. I remember when I came out, you know, my aunt, she's also somebody who has been such a a supporter and, and lover. She I always says she's one of the, the few people who I can say I've experienced love at an unconditional level. Wow. That's um cool. And mind you, she was, you know, the the church lady. You know, she mm-hmm. was the church goer. And, you know, with that, she would always tell me from childhood on up, you know, uh, Kevin Guy has a calling on your life. You yeah. know, she would always just inject me with just positivity and wisdom and encouragement. And that, that carried with me, you know, that carried with me over time because... Like I said, you know, it was tough. You know, I didn't have, an, you know, granted, you know, take nothing away from my mother because she was just, like I said, trying to be here for her kids. Yeah. And so as I am an adult now and as I can look back in hindsight, like she really, you know, I, I had an old school parent. You know, my mom had me at 36. So, mm-hmm. you know, their love languages were different than yeah. the love languages of today. You know, yeah. the love language that we had growing up was you had clothes on your back, you had food on the table, you know, you were taken care of. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. As, you know, and then the nurturing aspect kind of got lost or, you know, it was a little blurred. Yeah. Um, but truth be told, you know, if she missed the beat, her kids missed the beat. And yeah. she just wasn't going to have that. Yeah. So I, I wholeheartedly 
you know, just just love that woman for that. But yeah, you know, like my aunt, my friends, I'm I'm big on journaling. I've always journaled my entire so life. So journaling, like, so how did okay? So journaling is what I call a coping skill, of course, because it helps you like mm -hmm. to process your feeling, your thoughts, or whatever. And as a man. I don't know too many men that journal. I, I ain't gonna lie. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Even like my clients, I don't know too many men that journal. I don't. I don't think that they like to write as much, or maybe they feel like it's not helpful. Or some of them, especially like a certain age, it's like, well, I'm told to, you know, suck it up. I, I, I'm good. Like I'm just gonna like bury it or whatnot. So when did you start journaling and found it to be helpful with you during that time? As a child, I don't, I, you know, I don't know if you remember the, the day of the jail pens, but I remember mm -hmm. I had like a, and I wish I could find this just so I could see what Kevin at eight, nine, ten years was old writing. was thinking in that moment. Yeah. But like I say, it started ever since childhood. And I want to say, you know, they, I want to say I'd adopted that from um, school. But, you know, I remember, and I would just write about whatever, you know, sometimes I will write about, you know, how it hurt to be bullied. Sometimes yes. I will write about, you know, feeling like I was a disappointment just because, again, there wasn't many outlets. But, you know, for me, journaling has been something that's been in my life for as long as I can remember. And to be completely honest with you, my journal that I have today dates back to, and it would have dated back, it would have dated back earlier than that, yeah. but I, uh, I had lost the files, so I, I lost gotcha. all those previous journals, Yeah. but, um, my current journal dates back to, um, January of 18, I want to say, oh, okay. so, you know, journaling, I mean, it's in, and like you say, it's just a coping thing, like, that's where I can go, I can, can be unapologetically me, I don't have to, to you know box myself in for nobody and even though I don't do that you know regardless but there's just certain thoughts and I tell people mm -hmm. you know especially men like you have to get those thoughts out you gotta you have get to it be out able to just you have to filter through that because carrying it around it's like it's like poison so my question is if, if we don't so did you talk to any of your family members though like, did you tell them how you were feeling? Was it your friends? Because sometimes if our family members are not, like, really open, then we feel like we don't, we can't talk to them. We don't have that, I guess, connection or we don't even know where to start. So, like, did you talk to family members or was it only friends? Because some people don't even know where to start with talking or who to talk to. How did you know even who to vent to about the way you feel as a man? I think, um... And so, again, I, you know, I'm still kind of in childhood and teen years, uh, you know, as as the black community, we it's hard for us to have those heavy conversations. Yes, it is. So, you know, like I said, my aunt, she would always continue to encourage me, you know, um, as a man, I growing up, I had to just realize, like, Kev, you're going to have to find somebody to talk to. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but for me, I was always an individual and I'm currently in therapy now. You know, I was mm -hmm. always an individual. And one thing I have told my therapist in some of, in one of our first, you know, sessions was one thing I want to learn is to get out of my own head. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, yeah. to get out of my own head because self-talk is so important. We are so hard on ourselves. We are. We have a negative self-talk. We can do it all the time. And it's like we're overthinking. It gives you anxiety. So I can only imagine what a man goes through because y'all have kind of more pressure than yeah. in society than we do. So I can yeah. only imagine what you're going through. And then not only that, how are you dealing with it? And that's why I feel like our suicide rate is so high with men because it's so much pressure. You don't know really how to deal with it. I did. I read a research recently that talked about how women were easier to deal with stress than a man. 
Because we're mm-hmm. going to find somebody to talk to. We're we, we going to talk. We're going to find a way to let it out and cope. As a man, when they were younger, depending on what year or whatever, they were told, like, suck it up. Don't cry. You're going to be all right. So they had to learn how to hold it in. So I admire you because you actually went and told somebody. You yeah. actually went and talked to somebody. Most men don't do that. And that's why we are at this rate of suicide that we are. Yeah. And truth be told, you know, Dr. Johnson, you know, we can say for years, but I've kind of switched up that verbiage. And I say we've men have been having men have had to suffer with this for generations. I like you see it. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Men have had to suffer with this, have had to carry this weight for generations. And yeah. so it's so tough because we we, we don't have that outlet because yeah. in our minds, we're still in a space of I still have to be the alpha. I can't. Yeah. Be anything else but, but firm and, yeah. and stand strong. You know, I, I don't, I, I, I don't have an avenue. And and I always say, you know, when a man truly finds a space that he's comfortable a safe with, space. yes, that voice that has so much to say, that yes. voice that has the world to say. You know, you honestly, and I and I say this, you won't get a man to shut up when he knows that that space is safe. He don't talk, he talk, don't talk. Shut up. <laughs> He won't. And one thing I can say, like, I know me and you talk with, I'm a talker. So I know we talked right. earlier about a situation where someone came to you about, hey, I'm thinking about having, I'm, I'm having suicidal thoughts or whatnot. And to me, it's an honor. It's an honor when somebody come to you about that because people don't talk about it. It's just no. this conversation. Talking about suicide is talking about sex with kids as a yep. parent. Literally, that's the uncomfortability we got for it. And it's just like, no, we need to talk about it. Because some of us are dealing with it and we don't even know who to talk to, where to start, how to let it come out. You don't know who we're dealing with that, you know. So, I feel like it's an honor that they even came to you to talk because they trust you. They're open yeah. to you. You know, they want, they obviously, they're reaching out for help. So, I, right. I think that was a great, a big honor. I do. Absolutely. And I, you know, and I just think it's so important to go into that particular situation. You know, this was here fairly re- recently. And, um, you know, suicide is never nothing that you want to take too lightly, especially no. now, you know, but I think a lot of the reasons why we we view suicide as the only option is because we feel like this is the only place we'll be in for the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case. Mm-hmm. You know, this 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 open wound that you're carrying will soon turn to a scar. It's, it's and for me, you know, I always say that's like a battle wound. You mm-hmm. know, you wear that as a badge of honor. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? Um, you know, growing up in the church, they said trouble don't last always. always. That's true. Mm, that is so true. It, this is a, our emotions are very temporary. Our emotions, our feelings are temporary. So when you get past that, it's like you're going through it, and we want to get. It's like to me, it's like giving up. Like I rather, you know, it'd be better if I'm not here. Like, but it's mm-hmm. not, baby. It's not. And I, I always tell people not to guilt trip them, but to say, what are you? How how is everyone gonna feel when you're gone? Who are you leaving behind? What can you offer somebody? Like, don't lose hope because of what you're going through currently. And right. of course, and a lot of that is from you building stuff up. I know we talked about earlier the the cup of the water running over because all you're doing mm-hmm. is letting stuff build in and it's just running over. So eventually, the cup is gonna just spill. It That's just it. gonna spill, you know. That's and it. I'm just grateful that you're here to talk about it today. And and the question that I had was, how did you find your hope? Like we talked about some of your triggers, which was you know all that in the past. Like, all of that are triggers, right? Even with your sexuality, that's a trigger because I don't know. That kind of makes me feel away. So, when did right. you find... Right. How did you find your hope? What happened? Um, you know, again, I have to go back to my aunt who, like I said, she just played a big part. And and the thing is, is I felt like she knew more than what we had talked about. Mm. We talked about okay. too, too much, but I felt like she knew more 
than what we had talked about. I think that she knew that I felt like, you know, I felt like I was a mistake, you know, because my sister's dad was present. He was around again, going back to me saying like, I felt like my sister was the standard that I could just never meet, (laughs) you know, in school activities, friends. And, you know, I mean, six years apart, like you're already in two different stages of life. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I just had to kind of grow in that. So I always felt like I had to kind of keep with her, but you know, I'll, I'll share this quick story mary j blige is my one of my favorites and if anybody know me they know i love me some mary okay (laughs) the queen herself okay the queen oh my god and i've always loved her but in 2005 she released the album titled the breakthrough Mm -hmm. and this was actually a little bit before um I had kind of like gone public. So I came out out of anger. Mm-hmm. Like I, I I came out out of anger. You know, I came out because I thought I was going to be able to get back in my family. And it just, it was just a mess. Like yeah. I, I didn't come out in a, in a, in a way that was too pleasant. Um, and so again, going back to just feeling like I just didn't have a fit. I didn't have a space with yeah. anyone. I didn't really have that connection. And so there's a song on there. And honestly, this is my first time ever publicly speaking about this. Okay. Um, titled Take Me As I Am. Yeah. And when I heard that song, and look, it was getting me a little, it's getting me a little emotional now. Yeah. Um, when I heard that song, that song spoke to me in that exact moment. And when I tell you, Dr. Johnson, I cried like the biggest baby ever. Yeah. Because I was so thirsty. For I, I was so thirsty to feel like I was seen. I was so thirsty yeah. to feel like I was heard. I was so thirsty to to want somebody to feel my pain. And even if you look at the video, um, it it details you know it details that you know where Mary is playing. You know she's a black model, mm-hmm. and then you know the the model you know she, that model gets taken out, and then a, a white model gets put in her place. And so that model, you know, oh. the model that Mary played, yeah. tried to kill herself. And so for me, when I tell you, I just truthfully grabbed on and held on to that song. Like, and I I kid you not, Dr. Johnson, it was years before I could truly like talk about it, how I just did with you and not cry because I I honestly felt like that song was made for me. You know, that song, I tell the people, right on time, I I felt like that song saved my life. I really did. I felt like that song saved my life. It gave me hope anytime I ever felt down, anytime I ever again got in my head because yeah. as a teen you know here i am just trying to protect myself from those yeah. who don't like me just because of who i am yeah you know um trying to you know just fight different battles from within and without and so um from the inside and the outside and so it was just really tough but i tell you you know what truly gave me hope and that 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 song honestly came right on time right like on time. right on time yeah, because I couldn't, I, I I couldn't, and you know I remember I had seen her performing live one day in concert, and you know I was the only one in the in the in the row, and I just bawled like I just let it out. It was just like was the like, legend, oh, the woman who saved. No, it's, it's like the woman who saved my life is here. Like she's here, yeah. she don't even know it. Yeah. And sometimes it is yeah. a song. Like I talk to people about. Uh, what's your fix? Your fix can be a song, it can be a smell, it can be whatever it is that you can cope with during that time that you can always go back to when you're feeling down or feeling sad. This is, okay, I'm going to go back and I'm going to read this, this book. I'm going to go back and I'm listening to this song. I'm going to go back and I'm going to light this candle. Literally, it's the small stuff that makes you feel like 
I got this. Yep. I got this. So my last question. Go ahead. For those who, for men who are dealing with suicide ideation, dealing with depression in general, what would be your advice to them today? I'll share the same information that I have shared with the individual who reached out to me, who are so much stronger than this present moment. Yeah. You really are. You're so much stronger than this present moment. We never feel like it in that time. You know, we don't. Dr. Johnson, you know, we never realize until it's in hindsight. Yeah. You know, we never know why we go through things until it's in hindsight. Because if we can be honest, you know, your pain is the birthplace for your purpose. Come on now. You better don't be preaching on here today. It's the birthplace of your purpose. And we don't realize it because Dr. Johnson, if I hadn't gone through everything that we had just talked about, we wouldn't be able to have this conversation. That's not true. That's you but and the same with myself. Like, you know, it, most people know my brother uh, completed suicide in 2015, so I wouldn't be here talking about suicide at all because we didn't talk about it at my table at the dinner, you know, for dinner or breakfast. <laughs> that wasn't talked about, so that's why Wine Therapy is here to normalize these conversations. Like, look, just that's like true. talking about sex with your kids, you got to talk. If you know somebody else going to talk to them about it, and you better hope that they don't say anything negative. You know what I'm saying? So let's just go ahead and start it out right. So you, what you're saying is so, so true. You, your pain turns into purpose, and and. I love the fact that you have what you you standing on your purpose now with um, definition of a man. I love it. Like I love the Thank whole you. platform, everything about it. Like you giving me a safe space to talk and talk freely, and I love Thank it. You. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's it's again, it's important. You know, um, you know, and I had actually on Facebook because of course it's Mental Health Awareness Month. Uh, yes. I see you green. <laughs> Yes, come on, got to represent. And so, you know, I had posted the uh, National Suicide Prevention Helpline. And, you know, I had just wrote a small caption. I said, because you are here on purpose. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, we, we have to we have to be reminded of that. You know, we, we let our day-to-day beat us up. We go through yeah. the ins and outs. And, you know, sometimes you're just like, listen, I just want this pain to get up off of me. You know, I want this pain to get up off of me. So people, I, you know, I think it's truly important that we have to be reminded that, you know, this 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 trouble that you're in is not going to last always. It's and not. you'll look back and be like, so that's why. That's mm-hmm. why I had to... To, to go through what I went through because exactly. it's just like going to the gym. You know, adversity builds muscle. It builds That's so true. It builds strength. That's so true. So true. So true. And we have to, you know, we have to learn. And again, you know, when things get too heavy, seek help. There's nothing seek wrong with help. it. You know, how Y'all, often yeah, tell these men, like, it's okay. to. I look, as a woman, ability. I'm honored for you to come talk to me. Yeah. Oh my God, and I'm I'm so grateful for the opportunity, Dr. Johnson. I like really am. Listen, you know, we can talk for days. You but, know we can. You know, we started out talking for it. Like it was like we knew each other. Like oh my God, like we're just talking down. But right. I, I, it's, right. it's a true honor. Right. I, I I can't say I can't say thank you enough for being on the show to really like let the men know it's okay. So like this is a safe space. Definition of a man is a safe space. Look. You can come and like literally let it out. We are here for you. Um, yeah. I agree with everything Mr. Kevin Sam said today. And I hope that y'all enjoyed it as well. Look, of course, this is not our last time speaking together. So you have to catch us on the podcast because we're going, right. full, we're going full force. 
It's, it's oh, okay, so please be on the watch out for us coming back with a part two, three, and four for this. Because right, this, this is how right, important we really get into us. <laughs> Listen, toast to you, queen. Toast to Thank wine therapy. You. Toast to the engagement. Thank and, you. You know, I, I just wish nothing but abundance for you and the movement. And I love what you're doing, Queen. Thank you. Because we need to see more faces like ours. We, we need to see this Yes. Yes. Thank so, you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, family. We'll catch you on the next episode. Next time on Wine Therapy. Preparation, you, you can never prepare for death. Mm -mm. I watched my grandma leave her. She actually turned to me and, and took her last breath and looked at me in my eyes. I wasn't prepared for that, and I had been watching her be sick for years. Yeah. What you think you prepare for that moment? You never prepare. So, I mean, it is what it is.